It's TechBiter Worldwide with Bill Flynn. The latest on programs and policies, helpful hints, and a bit of occasional nonsense. All in more or less plain English. Podcast number 781 for the 25th of February, 2022. This week, a free utility called System Explorer is like a combination of the Windows Task Manager and System Resource Monitor with an application uninstaller, security monitor, startup manager, and more tossed in for good measure. In short circuits, domains housed on shared servers can be added to email blacklists even if there's just one bad actor on the server. This can affect people who use their internet service provider's email system, too. There's a way to avoid the problem. It costs nothing to implement. Four and a half years ago, Equifax suffered the largest data breach in history. Recently, victims who signed up for free credit monitoring finally received instructions for how to use it. And 20 years ago, the Foveon digital camera sensor was intended to change everything. The technology is still in use, but not as a major player. Many Windows users are already familiar with built-in tools like the Task Manager and System Resource Monitor. These are helpful, but they need to be started when the user wants to know what's going on with the computer. And often that means the computer is already in trouble. Imagine, if you will, an airplane that has no gauges. If the pilot notices that something seems odd, they would need to take a gauge out of a case stored under the pilot's seat and connect it to the airplane. Only then would the pilot be able to see what's going on. And if there really was a problem, the gauge might not connect properly. That's the position many computer users are in when something malfunctions. Of course, there's no guarantee that having proper gauges will really be helpful. I spend an embarrassing amount of time watching a YouTube channel called Just Rolled In. It shows videos of cars that have been brought in for service. One recent example was a car that hadn't had an oil change in 15 years. So just having diagnostic tools handy is no more helpful for computer users than it is for automobile owners who neglect the basics. But to return from that off-topic tangent, consider the Task Manager and System Resource Monitor. Wouldn't it be nice if there was an application that combined the best features of both, that ran automatically when Windows starts, and that has the ability to display some of the most significant readings in the tray? Such an application exists. It's free. The developer does ask for donations if you find his application useful, and that seems only fair. System Explorer offers basic information at a glance and can provide an in-depth analysis of the computer, including startup programs, running processes, network connections, and more. There's even an option that allows you to check the safety of running applications. That feature doesn't always work, but there is a workaround, and I'll get to that in just a bit. The Processes tab shows all running processes and what resources they're using. The Security column has a link to look up information about the process. Unfortunately, it's not uncommon for the developer's website to return an HTTP 500 error. 500 indicates a problem with the server. 
If this happens, you can visit the website's process database and try to find the file there. There's no search function, so it's necessary to scroll through a lot of pages, perhaps hundreds of pages, to find the executable file or dynamic link library that you're looking for. The Performance tab gives users information about the CPU usage overall on a per-core basis and memory. One of the items shown is memory page faults, and this is something that needlessly concerns users. Page faults are normal and common. Lower numbers are better. Higher numbers suggest your computer may need more RAM. Page faults, which are sometimes referred to as PF and other times referred to as hard faults, occur when a program requests an address on a page that is not in the current set of memory resident pages. The thread that experienced the page fault is put into a wait state while the operating system finds the specific page on disk and restores it to physical memory. The operating system's kernel handles the exception by making the required page accessible in physical memory or denying an illegal memory access, so usually page faults aren't a serious problem. The Connections tab shows which processes have active network connections. The protocol, the process ID, the source and destination of the connection, the port in use, and the status. The thing that many people will be surprised by is how many connections are active. You may think your computer is doing little and anxiously awaiting instructions from you. Instead, it may be communicating with your cloud-based backup system, Google Drive, many local host connections, a VPN provider, your email service and preferred browser, and more. These connections are all normal unless you see an unexpected remote connection. A plus sign at the right of the open tabs offers less common but still useful components, such as the ability to view applications that start with Windows, see scheduled tasks, list all the installed drivers, and get a close-up view of inbound and outbound data usage. There's also a Windows Management Instrumentation browser. You can uninstall applications. You can obtain a list of all users who are logged in and examine security information. If you'd like to have some of the extra tabs open when you start System Explorer, they can be added. There's even a built-in security function that checks all running processes for suspicious activity using an online security database. Unfortunately, as I mentioned earlier, it often doesn't work. Terminates with an error. Error. Unknown error occurred. It would be a lot more useful if it actually worked, and the failure is probably related to that problem I noted earlier with the security check for individual applications. Those relatively small problems aside, System Explorer is well worth having on your computer. Unlike the built-in applications, System Explorer can start with Windows and place an icon in the notification area. Hovering the mouse over that icon provides a snapshot the snapshot shows the CPU's speed and usage, memory consumption, battery level, computer uptime, and computer idle time. You can download System Explorer from the developer's website. There's a link from the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here. And support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. 
You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. If you've had problems with blocked or refused email messages, there's an easy solution to the problem, and it's free unless you need to send more than 300 messages per day. I'll figure you're probably in the class of people who doesn't need to send more than 300 messages per day. So let's move on here. Perhaps you've received a message with the subject, Undelivered Mail Returned to Sender. Inside, you'll see text that says it's from the email system, and it'll list a domain. It'll say that it's sorry to inform you that your message couldn't be delivered to one or more recipients, and it'll tell you it's attached. It will also tell you for further assistance, you can send mail to the postmaster. But the problem is, if you're running your own domain, you are effectively the postmaster. So sending a message to yourself explaining that there is a problem with the email system isn't probably going to do any good. But look below the boilerplate text. You'll see an error message that includes a number, an IP address, and cryptic shorthand. Well, 550 is the error number. It can refer to more than a dozen possible conditions, but all of them mean that the message was rejected. The explanation is only partially helpful. In the case of the message shown on the TechBiter Worldwide website this week, the receiver of the bounced message is directed to websitewelcome.com. That site, unfortunately, has unfailingly failed to respond. But the limited description is helpful. You'll find an IP address and a user number that is in a real-time blacklist, or RBL. And the reason that the message was bounced is S-abuse. That means spam abuse. The message could be a lot clearer, and actually it should be. The exact wording varies among systems, but the content will be similar to what I've just described. So at this point, you know that you sent a message to someone and the receiving server blocked it because the simple mail transport protocol server you used is on somebody's blacklist. There are several vigilante organizations out there that operate blacklists. Some are better maintained than others. The good news is that the block will usually be removed automatically after 72 hours, but maybe you don't want to wait three days to send your message again. I'll get to the solution in a moment, but let's consider why your email address was blocked when you know you're not a spammer and you didn't send any spam. It's not actually your email address that has been blocked. It's the IP address of the sending server. In the example you'll see on the TechBiter Worldwide website, it's 66.147.248.250, and it belongs to Bluehost. According to Wikipedia, Bluehost is a web hosting company owned by Endurance International Group. It is one of the 20 largest web hosts on the planet, collectively housing well over 2 million domains. TechBiter.com and Blinn.com are two of those 2 million. So that's the first clue toward understanding why mail from your account has been blocked. Bluehost doesn't have more than 2 million IP addresses for its SMTP servers, so messages sent from your account will use the same IP address as thousands of other sites. All it takes is one bad actor to get an IP address blacklisted. 
Bluehost works with spammers to either bring them into compliance or remove the account, but that takes time. To find out which vigilante group has blacklisted the IP address, you can visit the MX Toolbox Blacklist Checker. You'll find a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website, and then enter the SMTP server's IP address. When I checked, the IP address was still on three lists. MX Toolbox queries more than 100 blacklists. Whether or not any given recipient's email server rejects messages from your server depends on which blacklists they subscribe to. This isn't a problem only for those who operate their own domains. Sending mail through an Internet service provider's SMTP server has some of the same shortcomings. It takes only one bad actor among the ISP's subscribers to get an IP address blacklisted. Many people have Gmail accounts, and some have tried to use that account to send mail from Outlook, Thunderbird, or some other email application. It does work, but the problem is that the messages clearly show they have been sent by Gmail on behalf of your account. So although that works, I don't care for the presentation. For me, the solution is SendInBlue, a bulk email provider that specializes in email marketing. In addition to bulk marketing emails, SendInBlue also offers what they call transactional messages, emails that are sent to one or just a few people. So if you send no more than 300 messages per day and no more than 40 per hour, you can sign up for a free account. After creating the account, you need only to modify your email program's SMTP server settings to direct messages through SendInBlue. And there's another advantage. The Send in Blue website shows when your message was sent, when it was delivered, and when it was opened. Because of security measures recently introduced by Apple, the time a message is opened on an Apple device is generally unavailable. It's important to know that a message with one recipient and one CC recipient counts as two messages, if you send one message to a primary recipient and 60 BCC recipients, that will count as 61 messages. Now, I mentioned the hourly limit is 40, so the first 40 messages will be transmitted immediately. The remaining 21 will be transmitted in an hour, as long as they wouldn't exceed the daily 300 message limit. In practice, I have encountered a delay caused by the hourly limit twice. I have never come close to sending 300 messages in a single day. SendInBlue does run a very tight operation. After sending a message that included a PayPal logo, I heard from the support department almost immediately. My message wasn't a spam or a scam, but it did reveal that the automated system analyzes messages so the organization can be proactive. This is doubtless one of the primary reasons why its IP addresses never appear on real-time blacklists. Several million people have probably received an email from Equifax offering four years of credit monitoring and other services. It was sent to those involved in a data breach that is so old that most people have probably forgotten about it. On the 7th of September, 2017, Equifax announced an attack estimated to have affected 143 million Americans. 
And yes, September 2017, four and a half years ago. The breach exposed Social Security numbers, birth dates, driver's license numbers, and other data. In December 2018, the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee Republicans released a staff report about the committee's 14-month investigation. Among the conclusions, the breach was preventable. Equifax had failed to implement clear lines of authority within their internal IT management structure. Equifax's aggressive growth strategy resulted in an outdated IT environment. The company failed to implement responsible security measures, and Equifax was unprepared to support affected customers following the breach. If you'd like to read the full report, there's a link to it on the TechBiter Worldwide website. If you filed a claim for compensation following the breach and selected the option to receive free credit monitoring from Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion, you must enroll before the 27th of June, 2022. The email from Equifax provides a URL for the website where you can sign up and an activation code. Experian will then provide daily credit monitoring from Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion, alerts when new accounts are opened, when credit reports are requested, and when some other changes occur, on-demand online access monthly to your Experian Consumer Report, non-credit-related alerts if your information is seen on the dark web, identity theft insurance that covers certain costs and unauthorized electronic fund transfers, identity restoration service if you're the victim of fraud or identity theft, and child monitoring services if you have any children younger than 18. The service is free, and those who sign up do not need to provide any payment information to enroll. There's also no need to cancel the service when it ends in four years. Equifax blames the long delay on the judicial system and notes that appellate courts have now affirmed the settlement. There's nothing to sign up for to read about new photo technology that was introduced 20 years ago as a game-changer, just direct your browser to the TechBiter Worldwide website and check out the Foveon Digital Sensor introduced in 2002. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn. There's more on the website, techbiter.com, and if you have a question or a comment, use the contact link you'll find there. Stop by again next week for another session.